Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's a special edition, as always, of the Windy City Podcast. Melissa Stockwell, Paralympian, coming up. Just an amazing, inspiring story. And Melissa had a bike accident eight weeks before the Paralympics this summer in Tokyo. Broke her back and somehow, someway, still competed. And Melissa lost a leg in 2004, 17 years ago, in Iraq. And she ended up meeting up with an Iraqi athlete in Tokyo. I think you'll really enjoy the interview with Melissa. But first, there is breaking news today, and that is the Chicago Bears have signed a purchase agreement for Arlington International Racecourse. They submitted this on June the 17th, one of multiple bids, and yes, Theirs has been accepted. $197.2 million purchase agreement for the Arlington Heights racetrack land. Bears president and CEO Ted Phillips, a statement Wednesday morning, finalizing the agreement that was, quote, critical as the next step in continuing our exploration of the property and its potential, which is enormous. Soldier Field. 61,500, smallest stadium in the NFL. The Bears will be buying into 326 acres of land, shopping, dining, entertainment, gambling, all of it. And who knows? If I had to bet, I'd say it's going to happen. But let me just be on record here. I do not want this to happen. I want nothing to do with the Bears in Arlington Heights. I don't care about wide concourses, huge complexes with homes, amazing parking and tailgates. I just like the romance of the Bears being on the lakefront. I like to hold on to my childhood. I want the Bulls and the Blackhawks to be playing, still playing in Chicago Stadium. I still dream that that building actually existed and wasn't torn down. The United Center does absolutely nothing for me. I miss Old Comiskey Park. Give me a half wood green seat, golden box seats, the smell of urine and manure from the circus that used to come through, an old school dollar churro. I am 
I do not need creature comforts in my stadium or parking in my stadium. And by the way, New Soldier Field has plenty of it. It's great once you're in there. Even the top deck, 400 level, great seat. So I am not in favor of this, but I don't see how it happens that the Bears don't move. Now, on the field, Matt Nagy was the happiest head coach I've ever seen at a Wednesday press conference today. He was giddy. I've talked with the players. I've talked with the coaches. I'm not letting you know if we are going to have me call the plays or have somebody else call the plays. You know, a lot goes into that. And he's just, I mean, smile, 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 smile. I've never seen a guy this happy. It's amazing, the positivity. I think we should all channel in some Matt Nagy. Everything's going wrong around you. The whole city's screaming at you. Dude's ecstatic. How do you do that? Congratulations, Matt Nagy. Justin Fields is the two. Andy Dalton's the one. Dalton was limited in practice. Fields practiced in full. But we don't know who's going to play. And we don't know if I'm going to get fired. But, I mean, honestly, really, what does he have to be upset about? Hey, look, I'm the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm making millions of dollars. Even if I get fired, I'm going to get another gig in the NFL because that's how it works. And I'll make more huge money over there. I have gone through the hard part of my life to get to this point, and I've set up my family and my four kids. So even if I get fired here, what the hell? I made it to the pinnacle, and in all likelihood, I'll be able to keep going, even if it is as a special teams coordinator or whatever the hell somebody will hire Matt Nagy to be. So I get it, man. I guess. Be happy. Go Matt Nagy. Bears. Arlington Heights. Bears. One and two. Bears, two and a half point favorites over the Lions. Started out at three, coming down. Matt Nagy, you just inspired me. Thank you for helping me talk through this. I am now a happier person because I'm going to go channel my Matt Nagy. I think you're really going to like this Melissa Stockwell interview. I uh, Going back through it as I wrote the article today, brought me to tears at least once. And that has nothing to do with what I did. Just listening to her talk and the story that she tells towards the back end about uh, having lunch in the cafeteria in Tokyo and meeting someone from Iraq. Melissa Stockwell, right now on the Windy City Podcast. Showtime. You were the first uh, woman to lose a leg in combat, which was in the Iraq War. We're going all the way back to 2004. You, as I mentioned, you're a three-time Paralympian. You're a mother of two. You've had just this unbelievable journey. And I'm wondering as you, you know, get towards perhaps the end of your, I don't know, Olympic career, although, you know, hey, 41, Tom Brady's still going. I'm not sure what your plans are. But do you, just kind of looking back at it as you settle into like this particular Paralympic experience, do you ever wonder like how you were sort of put in this position? Oh, 100%. I mean, I feel like uh, all the time, you know, I... I mean, last night's an example. I was in Salt Lake City speaking for a group and I was, you know, watching these freestyle skiers, you know, jump off of this platform and land in water. And I just kind of thought, how am I here? Like, how did I get here? And it's, um, you know, it's crazy how much my life changed, you know, 17 years ago when I, when I lost my leg, but even more so it's, I, I'm very proud of the path that my story has taken, um, I think the hope is that maybe it inspires others along the way to step out of their comfort zones, try something new. But yes, I often wonder that, or I have to pinch myself on things I'm able to do or 
you know, see my name or face somewhere or have my kids say, mommy, mommy, that's you. And as they point to the TV and it's, it's, it's very surreal. I'm, I'm very proud of it all, but it's, um, it's definitely very humbling. I don't, I don't take it for granted. Let's just go micro now. And just this particular Paralympics, you've been training an extra year comes in because of the pandemic. And can you just tell us about uh, the bike accident and breaking your back, which I don't know. I, I, I feel like you got to go on some level to why in the world did this just happen to me? This is totally unfair. Yeah. Um, so trees are hard. I would never recommend hitting them if you can ever avoid them. So I, you know, the, so yes, the games were postponed. We all know that it was a very much, uh, all right, we have another year. Let's maybe I can become faster. You know, let's see where this can go. And it, 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 that's okay. We can, you can. Let me, let me pause while that dog's out of the way. You're fine. I have a puppy. Have fun there, buddy. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, so this competition, I wasn't sure if I was even going to make the team for Tokyo. I was kind of a long shot to make the team. Found out I made the team and I was on this, honestly, it was like a leisurely bike ride. And it was at my husband's family's place up in Michigan. And there was a branch in the middle of it. I tried to swerve out of the way of it. Should have just went over it. Um, but I swerved, tried to overcorrect, ended up beelining directly into the woods, flying off my bike, hitting a tree, fracturing my back in three places, severe bruising, eight weeks before this race I had trained five years for. So not ideal, never ideal to break a back. But the doctors kept telling me, quote, it's like the best place to break a back, if that's ever a statement. So I had to rest for a few weeks and before I could, you know, get into some sort of modified training to see what I could do. But I, it's uh, I, like I, I, I never, this is going to sound silly, but while I didn't want it to have happened, like I couldn't change it. I couldn't change the fact that I had a tree. I couldn't change the fact that my back was broken. So I didn't, I kind of chose to just be okay with it because why be upset about it if it's if it can't change and honestly I mean I could have had a head injury I could have been paralyzed I mean I could have been dead I mean I you know I and all I had was a broken back which again sounds silly but I was still going to be able to compete in Tokyo so I kind of chose to have that mindset and um, went about it as best I could and just wasn't sure what the starting line or finishing line in Tokyo was going to bring me, but decided that I was just going to be proud to be there and really kind of give it my best shot. I'm trying to imagine exactly what you were feeling when you hit the tree and you're laying there. I mean, were you able to get up? No, not right away. Um, I was kind of off, off the beaten path a little bit. So nobody would have seen me if I wasn't able to kind of call out to someone. So I had just passed this couple that were on their bike and I was able to kind of get out the words, help, help. And luckily they, they, they heard me, they stopped and they called my husband, they called the ambulance. We kind of had to wait. Um, and, and I knew enough about back injuries and I probably shouldn't try to move if I didn't need to. I did try to move my foot immediately and was honestly thrilled that I could move my foot because I knew that I wasn't paralyzed. Um, but yeah, it, um, I, I thought I had broken my pelvis. I thought, I thought everything. So when they came in and told me in the emergency room, you fractured your back in three places. It's, in this area, it's the best place to break a back and you'll be okay. No surgery. It just needs time, which of course I didn't have. I had 
eight weeks before this biggest competition. Um, but I kind of chose to just take that and see what I could do. Did you know going in, did you lower your expectations to just finish? Um, yeah, I, I did. Um, I didn't really want, want to lower my expectations, but as time went on, I was able to swim. I was able to eventually get back on the bike, but running was, was still a, a struggle. You know, the impact of running on the back. So I think I ran, um, three times total, um, before, before I was on that race course in Tokyo. And I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be the race I had envisioned. Um, I think in the days leading up to it, I kind of just gave myself a new perspective of let's just be happy to be here. I, I still get to wear the USA uniform, represent my country. I mean, not to mention I'm able to be on this race course, you know, eight weeks after breaking my back. So yeah, I, I did kind of have those expectations lowered a little bit of let's just be happy to be here and see what we can do. So the games are over. You, you finished fifth, you competed. How's the process gone after as far as, okay, that happened long preparation. And then people start asking you what's next. Oh, everyone asks what's what's next. It's like, I just need a little bit of time to breathe. You know, I think it's all the Olympic Paralympic, the post Olympic Paralympic blues, people call it. And it's, it's a real thing. You know, you have all this buildup to this huge event, you complete the event and you're like completely fulfilled and on this high, but there's kind of this underlying, you know, what's next. And it doesn't help that everyone, everyone that you see is, is asking you that question. So it's, um, I think for me, I need to take a few weeks, maybe month or two to kind of digest everything. Um, I'm lucky that I have a family. I have two, two very young active kids that, that keep me busy. So I'm not, you know, sitting around not doing anything. I still have, you know, very active daily life, but I, I don't know. I think the, I feel like in, in a month or two, maybe I'll have it more figured out. I mean, pair of 2024, I don't know, um, you know, maybe settle in and be a, a weekend warrior, do an Ironman again, or just sit around and eat all the ice cream. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think time will tell on, on what, what I end up doing. Would you call yourself an adrenaline junkie? Um, I think, I mean, when I think of adrenaline, I think of, you know, jumping out of airplanes or, you know, doing crazy stuff like that. And the older I get, the less of that kind of adrenaline I like. But what I do like is pushing myself, you know, having a goal, seeing if I can accomplish it and, um, and, and hoping obviously that, that it works out, but maybe a different kind of adrenaline in that sense, not so much the jumping out of airplanes, but more just the putting in the work and seeing what I can do. Yeah. So let's segue to, you know, recently it was the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11 and I'm watching all these features on it, Melissa. And the, one of them that I was watching just kind of did the chronology of 9-11 happens. And then we had this whole campaign that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, which of course they ended up not having. And of course you're impacted by that greatly along with so many, so many others. Do you ever get like, when you, when you kind of look at the whole story of everything that transpired, do you ever, I don't know, get angry, something along those lines? Never. No, it's, I mean, it, it's a, I joined the military. I joined the army because I love our country. I still love our country. I believe in the people that live here and what we're capable of doing together. And I'm proud to have worn the, the army uniform. Um, I mean, we sent, we were sent over there to 
you know, support logistics over, over in Iraq. And, and I, and I did that until I was, you know, until my vehicle was struck by a roadside bomb. So we did what we needed to do. I hope that in the long run, you know, the people that were injured, the soldiers who gave the ultimate sacrifice, I hope that all that was, was worth something, but I'm never angry. No, I, um, I mean, especially when I think about the life that I have and I mean, I, I wouldn't be living the life that I'm, that I'm living if it weren't for what, what, what happened over, over in Iraq and, and wearing the uniform. So I'm proud of it. And I'll always be proud of it. As you should be. How old are your kids now? They are four and six. Have they started asking you questions? I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, to them, I'm, I'm mommy, right? I mean, I like to joke that they probably thought that all moms only had one leg, you know, up until they met their, 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 the moms or the other parents that had both legs. And my son, well, I mean, he's heard me talk about it enough. I mean, he knows I was in the army. He knows I lost my leg to, in, to a bomb. Um, I don't think he understands what a roadside bomb is, but he does know that. And he'll tell his friends that. Um, but my daughter, who's four, I mean, I'm just, to her, I'm just mommy who happens to have one leg. We saw someone the other day and that walked a little bit differently, had, had, a, had a, some sort of physical disability. And she said, mommy, why do they walk like that? And I said, because every, isn't it great? Like we all walk differently. I mean, look, mommy, I only have one leg. I walk differently too. So it's kind of just great to show my kids firsthand. It doesn't matter if you walk a little bit differently or, you know, what, what you look like, you can still get out there and be whoever you want to be. Do you get used to the different looks that you get? Yeah, I have. I mean, it's been 17 years. So yeah. And I feel, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm human, just like everyone else. Like sometimes you, you're up for, you know, all the looks and you, and you're up for talking about whatever. And other times you're, you're in a hurry or you're just want to walk somewhere without someone staring at you. So honestly, I, when I have those moments or those days, I put pants on so, so nobody can see and I don't get the looks, but um, I mean, at school, I go pick my, my son up at school. He's in first grade. And I mean, everyone knows me as the mom who has one leg and competing in the Paralympic games. So in, in some ways it becomes normal after a while, but I mean, the looks will always be there. It's just kind of, it's part of it. Do you want your kids to be athletes? Yeah, I want them to do what makes them happy. Do I want, would I, if, if you were like, I mean, sure. Yes, I would love for them. I would love for them to be an athlete. And I think I will always kind of push some sort of athletics. I think it teaches you a lot about yourself, that self-confidence, being part of a team. You can't really say enough about that. Um, if they're not the best athlete out there, but they're having fun, that's that's honestly all I really care about. My, my son did his first triathlon on Sunday, and it was one of my top five proudest moments because I mean, he didn't win the race, but he was so happy and he was just so happy out there. And it just made me just, you know, swell with, with pride. So if, if they want to be an athlete, yes, there will be an athlete of some sort, but whatever their passion is, I mean, I just want them to be happy. Did I just hear that right? Your six-year-old did a triathlon? He did. I mean, it took him all of eight minutes. It was a kid's triathlon, but it was (laughs) amazing. It was like, it was great. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just, just making sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Know, he, he's not, uh, you know, that would be completely and utterly crazy. But uh, kids triathlon is, is probably exactly where he's supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, wh- where do you think, if you had to bottom line, where your competitive drive comes from? Um, honestly, I, I, I've always been an athlete and competitive, but even more so after losing after losing my leg. And I think a lot of it is wanting to prove to myself that I still can, like, I want to prove that I can still get out there and do whatever it is I want to do, whether I have 
one leg or two legs. And if you're going to get out there and try it, I mean, why not try to be the best you can be? So I think that kind of drove a lot of it was losing my leg and having that competitiveness. And I mean, when you train so hard for something, I mean, I spent so many hours training, um, you know, for Tokyo and, and Rio and Beijing in the years prior that, I mean, you don't want to go and be mediocre. You want to go and try to be the best you can be and try to be on that podium. So putting the hours in makes you want that competitive nature come. And I think it's just, again, wanting to prove that I can. Dare to try. Is that still one of your ten poles? Yep. Yep. So Dare to Try co-founded it with, um, with two friends out in the Chicago area. We get athletes with physical disabilities into the sport of triathlon and taking away all the barriers that someone has to get into the sport, especially someone with a disability, you have expensive adaptive equipment. You know, a lot of times the funding for a coach or training or even transportation to a race um, is a barrier. So taking away all that, providing anything they need to get to that starting line, to do a triathlon, they finish and the self-confidence, I mean, the self-worth, we serve youth athletes, we see it carry over into their parents. And it's just, it's amazing. Did you have, uh, any conversations in Tokyo with other Paralympians that stand out, kind of warmed your heart or even. I got a great story. So, so Tokyo, uh, obviously we made it through COVID. The goal was to get to Tokyo and it's truly, you know, a celebration of sport and bringing the world together. So talk about bringing the world together. So at, at, in the dining hall, so you have all these different countries, you know, they're all wearing their country's uniforms and and the games, um, pin, pin trading is a big thing. So we all get our pins from our own countries and we want to trade them with other countries. So I am, I'm in the dining hall and I see an athlete um, that has the uniform of, of Iraq on. And I go over to him and I say, would you like to trade a pin? And he, very big language barrier. And he says, I don't have a pin but would you like to sit down and have lunch? There was an empty seat next to him. Wow. So I sat down and here I am, you know, here I, I lost my leg in Iraq and there's this athlete from Iraq and we're, we're sitting there having lunch. And again, the language barrier is, is very big, but I did learn, I got his name. I learned that he always wanted to come to America. He wanted to go to Miami. He loved my Nike. Um, my, my, I had on um, some, some shoes that we had been given as part of the Olympic village wear. He, he loved my shoes. And then we became Instagram friends and he was scrolling through my feed and he saw a picture of me in my uniform and he looked at me and he said, Iraq. And he pointed to my leg and I kind of, you know, was like, yes, I lost it in Iraq. And he turned to his friend and he said, it's something in, in, in Arabic, I'm assuming. And, um, and then he looked at me and he said, I'm so sorry. And it was just this moment of, and I, tried to say it, it it's, don't, you, you don't need to apologize it's, it's not your fault and then he said do you have any friends in Iraq and I said you you're now my friend and it was just this moment of true like bringing the world together and it was it was, it was just such a great moment to be there to experience and just the meaning behind it was pretty was pretty great that is really that was thank you for sharing this is so awesome um yeah I, I shared it with every with people probably got sick of me telling that story I told it so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's too bad if they get sick of it that you should right, tell that story right. at least once a week um right. it's weird too because you know like you know just listening to you talk and you you know we love our country and we can do anything and it's competition and then at the end of the day like people are people right oh exactly people are people yeah is the bronze medal is that the 
if you had to underline the, the, the peak of um, competing as a Paralympian, <laughs> is that your top? I mean, that'll go down as one of the top days of my life. I mean, it was September 11th, 2016. It was a USA sweep. We saw three American flags go up. My family was there. It was the meaning behind it. I mean, I, it felt like a gold medal to me. Like the, the medal didn't matter. It, or the color of the medal didn't matter. It, I was so proud of just that moment, being on the podium with my teammates. It, it was, I mean, the, the significance of it all. I mean, truly showing the world the power of the American spirit and how much ability is in a disability. I mean, so many, so many things can be said about that day. Yeah, that'll go down as one of the greatest moments of my life. And I'm sure you get asked this a lot, Melissa, but just wrapping up here, what, what's your message to whoever out there who feels like there's just something in their way that they, for at least this moment in time, they just don't think they can get over? Um, my message is always that of, of choice. I mean, we have so much, so many choices in our life and there's always obstacles that come our way. I mean, last year we all had to deal with it with, I mean, we're still dealing with it. We never, we never knew that a pandemic was going to hit us and our lives were going to be turned upside down, but it did. And we couldn't change that. And I think a lot of times we can't change the things that happen to us. You know, I couldn't change the fact that I lost a leg, but I could change how I chose to perceive it and to get through it. And here I am better on the other side. So I guess the power of, of choice of choosing to accept things that come your way that you don't plan on, but choosing to think about the good that we have. I mean, the little things like a warm bed at night, food on the table, a roof over our heads, things that we often take for granted, but we're so lucky to have. So I think when it comes down to it, we all lead pretty incredible lives and maybe take a moment to reflect on that and uh, just think about how lucky we are. Melissa, great to catch up. Uh, working with Chapstick, brand ambassador, and uh, supporting American heroes this summer. Congrats on all your successes. And hey, whatever you choose to do next, that's a win, period. End of story. Oh, so that- I appreciate it. I think probably the best part of the last 48 to 72 hours is we've had some amazing, um, healthy conversations between coaches and coaches. Between coaches and players, uh, players and players, players and coaches. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. There's a few things that you learn through people is you, you learn um, having raw, honest conversations is healthy, it's good. It, 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 it enables you to realize, um, you know, why things happened. And, and so you take what they give you and you use it. And that's really what, what I'm gonna do. It's what, it's what we're gonna do. It's what they're gonna do. Sometimes it just recalibrates you and it, and it, it makes you refocus on certain things and in, in a good way. I think the players understand from my perspective where I come from and how real I am. I'm about solutions, man. I am not about negativity. I am not about anything but trying to do what's best for, for the Bears at anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.